We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle number 41, Colin Andrews, part two. Welcome to Transformative Principle where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. So you talked about finding good teachers. Tell me about what you're looking for when you're looking for the best teachers. How do you make that determination? So I'm allowed to employ my teachers mm-hmm. for my school. So I work with the chairperson of my board of trustees. I'll advertise a job. I'll ask teachers to send in a curriculum vitae. So I'll read that really carefully. And again, I'm looking for people who are going to re- develop relationships. This might sound a bit dumb. Sense of humour. <laughs> Not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a sense of humor job in our in our job. Yeah, especially with these age group. It's oh yeah. So I like to see them with a, a bit of academic rigor behind in their degree. Um, I like to see them involved in the wider school community. I don't want to see them just concentrate on their class and be walking out the door at ten past three. Mm-hmm. And those are the elements that I'm looking for. But it's a relationship with kids and a sense of humor that I'm really keen on, first of all. (laughs) Those those need to go right up on top. Um, Absolutely. So what so you look at the the curriculum vitae and then um, how many interviews do you do, for example? And how do you how do you know when you've got the right person? You've done this for a while. So do you know just like that or does it take a few interviews and maybe a teaching experience to see what you want to see? Um. So, yeah, you're right. I've been doing it for, for a while now. Um, so because of the standing of the school, I'll, I'll get maybe 200 CVs come across my desk. For one position? Uh, I advertised 
four positions at the beginning of the school year. Wow. Well, this time last year for next year, I got 200 CVs. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. And and it's almost a roadblock, you know, because you've got uh, so many damn things sitting all over the place. <laughs> so I say to them, just send me electronic. Don't send me paper copies. I mm-hmm. need them um, electronic. So I'll, I'll read them. I'll spend a lot of time reading the CVs and reading between the lines and just looking and thinking about them. I'll read some of the references that people have made. And then I'll cut that down. Sorry, Jethro. I understand. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so we'll cut, I'll cut that down to about 50 and I'll move the 150 away and I'll just concentrate on the 50 and I'll reread them. Look at their degrees, look at um, where they've studied. I'll look at their, we do a lot of practicums in our work as, mm-hmm. they're, as they're doing their teacher training. So I'll look really carefully at those. Then I'll cut it down to the uh, cohort that I'm going to interview and I'll do a reference check beforehand. Mm-hmm. Then I'll interview and then sometimes I'll do a reference check afterwards if I'm not, um, if I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. But so I have a structure of about eight, ten questions. Mm-hmm. I've got an interview team of four. There's myself, the chairperson of my board, my two DPs. I'll start the interview off and I'll just sit and watch. Mm-hmm. Listen. And I'll make notes. So I let the other three do all the questioning. And they've developed techniques. And it's good practice for my DPs as well. They probe and ask and reflect with the teachers. And I'll just sit and listen to them and watch them. Hmm. And that gives me an insight into the sort of people that they are. Good. That's that's really fascinating to me. Can, <laughs> can you go a little bit deeper into that and tell me what you're picking up on and noticing when you're when you're watching them? Sure. Body language. Mm-hmm. Uh, the depth that they go to answer questions. Their enthusiasm for life. Um, I, I had one teacher came in and sat down, and she just completed a law degree. Then she'd done a postgraduate diploma in teaching and she sat down and she said oh Colin I just want to teach <laughs> I just love teaching so I virtually stopped the interview there and had a talk and we offered her a job amazingly so four years later she's about to become a middle manager and is running programs all over the school uh-huh. so just for me and I guess it's part of me just looking and looking for body language looking for the way that they speak listen to what they say um, tells me a lot about the sort of person they're going to be in front of 30 kids. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've put some, my DPs have got a couple of questions that they'll ask that, that perhaps might probe a little bit on the way that they go about doing their teaching. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. I think we could do a, a, a whole nother interview just about your hiring practices because that is something that is so vital if you can hire the right people then yeah. it's amazing what you can do. If you didn't have Tanya doing your Enviro Kids, um, yeah. it'd be a much more difficult program to manage and maintain oh. and run. So yeah. that is so, so important. So perhaps another time we can come back and, and chat a little bit more about that. Um, I uh, The other thing that I wanted to ask you about was, um, this is a silly thing, but I noticed on your school's website, you have a little button over on or form on the side where parents can fill in details required to report that their child is absent for that day. Um, Yes. That uh, seems pretty crazy that people can fill out a form 
online. Tell me about that and how that works. <clears throat> so we're now starting to um, 800 kids. There's uh, there's going to be 20 a day that don't um, that don't mm -hmm. uh, arrive. There's a lot of kids that um, maybe more than that. There's there's kids that arrive late. There's kids that for whatever reason. So we allow the parents to go online, register, send in a note. Rather than kids will turn up with a handwritten note saying James is going to be. I was away today, yesterday. Mr. Andrews had the flu. Right. So we're just doing it online. Interesting. Do you have uh, kids who have figured that out and they do their <laughs> own thing? I I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't suppose we have. And I again remember I talked about my community. Right. The the there may be kids that would do that, but I think the percentage would be pretty low. Uh huh. Yeah. Fascinating. The other, the other thing we've got is that if kids, you may have something similar. We do all of our attendance register online. I'm sure you do the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And if there's kids that are away with no note, then an automatic text goes out to the parents to say, James is away today. Where is he? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do something similar yep. as well. So <clears throat> that's caused me more trouble than you can imagine. So I'm happy for people to go online. Right. The kids are all late rather than going into the office where they're supposed to and fill in. They go, oh, just sneak down to the classroom. Uh -huh. They arrive late. The teacher by that stage taken the attendance register. It's gone through to the office. The office has already texted the parents to say James is away for today. Mm -hmm. So you know, it just creates merry hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it, you and I became um, connected because a teacher at your school is doing a pen pal thing, with a teacher yes. at my school. Um, talk to me a little bit about whether that was your um, <clears throat> idea or hers and how you help teachers do the things that they are passionate and excited about. Okay. So one thing for me is making learning authentic for children. You've heard me talk about the walkway and the authenticity that sits around that. So, <clears throat> if I said to you, Jethro, I want you to write an environmental report for me mm -hmm. about litter in a school. And you said, sure, Colin. What, what, what's going to happen to the report? I said, well, I'm going to assess it and I'm going to stick it in this folder over here so we can look at it at the end of the year. But if I said to you, you're going to write an environmental report. And there's a group of kids over on Kodiak Island who are similarly writing an environmental report about their place. And then we're going to reflect on those two documents and we're going to look at what, whether there's any commonality of issues around there. Where's the learning going to lie? Mm -hmm. You know, doing authentic stuff that really means something to the children and they can see a reason for doing it, then the learning is going to be so much more rich. <clears throat> so I'm really interested in global connections, Jethro. I want my kids to have rich experiences in so many different ways. So um, I've got sister schools in China, mm -hmm. Korea and Japan, mainland USA, Kodiak Island. Go figure that one out, Jethro. <laughs> right. Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So how, do you, how did you establish these connections with these other schools, especially in places where they don't even speak English? So we, um, I travel to Asia a lot. 
uh, because I get Korean students to come and study in the school. And I get paid for that. The school gets paid for that. Mm -hmm. So we it's an income earner for us. Although we're a state school, we're allowed to do stuff like that. Okay. So when I when I took the school over uh, 12 years ago, we had $800 left in the bank, Jethro. Ooh, scary. <laughs> the school had lost connection with the community. Uh, there was a lot of vandalism that had gone down. There had been a fire that had taken out a number of classrooms. Uh, I measured attainment. I got the academic records from the year before and measured again, again a year later before I got there. And I found that academic progress had either been zero or negative. Wow. So <clears throat> one thing that drove me was getting more funds into the school. Because with my chairperson and my board, I set up a plan where I said, I want to put 100K into teacher development mm -hmm. and I want to put another 100K a year into, um, into resources for the teachers to use because they were bereft of either of those. And so over a course of a few years, we put 200K into those two key areas. And I did that mainly by generating income from international students coming and staying and studying in my school. Not, not that we did a bad job with them. I think we did a really good job with the kids. I had to look at strategies to lift the school out of where it was and to put it in a new place. And so out of that, I started to think, you know, the future of my country lies in Asia. It's, that's where my kids' future will lie. Mm -hmm. our, biggest, our biggest export earner is China. And then you've got Korea and Japan all on top of that. So I want my kids to have an empathy and understanding of those countries. So consequently, I've traveled extensively there. I've created sister schools in Beijing. And next year, we'll take a group of 20 kids that'll go to Korea. And then they'll spend two nights, three days in Beijing. How cool is that, Jethro? That is amazing. Wow. It's just cool. Anyway, this is where all of my global connections thoughts have come from. I'm sorry I'm being a bit rambly. but That's fine. It's fascinating. The, the global connections means that kids are really thinking about how to talk to these people overseas. And I watched a lesson the other day where a group of kids sat down in front of Skype, just like we are. Mm -hmm. My kids were talking in Chinese and the kids from Beijing were talking in English. Mm-hmm. That is so good, mate. Yeah. What a good thing for kids to be doing. So that's where it's all come from. <clears throat> so eventually, I want um, each each class to have two global connectedly classes around the world. Um, one in Asia and one somewhere else. And and our we seem to have gravitated towards the states, which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of lots of really rich learning in there. Another thing we're doing, um, a class of kids are reading a book that's part of New Zealand's prehistory. It's called Whale Rider. Have you heard of the story of Whale Rider? Uh, Whale Rider, right? Whereas, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that, but I couldn't recite it for you or tell you about it right now. But no, I, no, wouldn't expect you to do it all. It was made into a movie a few years ago. <clears throat> yes, that's where I've so, heard of it. So it's a really beautiful story, and it's based on a maori world view of how a group of people arrived in a particular part of our country riding on whales mm -hmm. a beautiful story anyway so one school in the states a classroom's reading that and a group of my kids are reading that so immediately 
those pathways of discussion are there. Once we finish this book, we'll pick a book that's relevant to that community and we can share it with the kids in my class. Mm-hmm. Good? I think so. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there'd be Inuit stories that we could share with you guys, along with stories of um, Maori people here. I'm sure there are um, stories of James Cook, who I know explored parts of Alaska, mm-hmm. as he was one of our very early maritime people from the, from the um, old country that came and explored New Zealand. So there's a richness there in learning. So it's only early days for me at the moment, Jethro, so I'm still figuring out what global connections really means to me. But but the connections I've made and the schools made already, I feel offer great possibilities for us. So that's why you're talking, Jethro. That's great. And, you know, I've, I've learned so much from the connections that I've been able to make. I can only imagine how, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, amazing it will be for our students to start out um, their their lives being able to talk mm. video uh, with somebody in a totally different part of the world. I mean, that is, it's just amazing to think of the things they'll be able to do when they're our ages and the things, the way they'll be able to impact the world. Um, so you actually did not answer my question of how you connected with these schools. You mentioned that okay. you traveled to Asia, but how did you find another school that was willing to do this with you and make that connection? Was that all you or was that your teachers doing that? It's a mixture, mixture of me and the teachers. And like <clears throat> when I went to Beijing, I communicated with, I did it through university. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to about five different schools. And it slowly whittled down to one mm-hmm. by just going back, talking about the concept, doing PowerPoints, more discussion, more discussion. And eventually I just ended up with one. And then um, I sent some teachers over to Beijing. So they've been to the schools already. Mm-hmm. I sent teachers across to Korea. They've been to the schools. Um, each year I send teachers to the States, to Oregon and to Vermont. So they're looking and connecting with the schools. And if you allow... You know, if you keep the doors wide open, you know, you're always going to allow that opportunities for these really cool things to happen. Yeah. So it's partly, partly the teachers. When I'm, I'm just working through my strategic plan at the moment, mm-hmm. one of the cornerstones will be global connections. And the interesting thing is we haven't really figured exactly what that's going to look like yet. But over the next six months, we will. Yeah. Well, and, you know, with the way technology is now, you may, you may not even know what those connections will look like. And so, you know, I, I remember when, uh, when I was a little kid, um, my, my uncle or somebody was off in another country and there was no way for us to communicate with him Mm -hmm. at all. And, you know, I never would have thought that we could be, my dad lives now in Brazil and he and I video call each other weekly about and talk about things and you know it's like he's not that far away he's Mm. so much closer to me now so things will change and continue to get more exciting in that area Mm. um for my last two questions for each interview that i do i i always ask the same ones the first one is what is something that someone can do to be a transformative principal like you starting today um, that's a hard question. I I noticed in your 
your questions, you asked me if there was anybody that really opened the door. Sure. And there was there was one principal that opened the door because I reflected on that for a while. And I thought there was a principal that really opened the door for me. And I really hope that I can open doors for other people as well. But I'm not sure what that looks like, Jethro. I find that a really hard question to ask. I, I guess I model a lot. Mm-hmm. I model the sorts of behaviours that I want my teachers and senior teachers and DPs to do. That's I can't put my finger on it, I'm sorry. That's that's quite all right. Um, so basically what you're saying is that you, if somebody wants to be the best they can, you need to do your best to model what your best work looks like so that other people can strive to meet that. Is that a fair summary? Well, that's part of it. But also if teachers come to me and say, Colin, <clears throat> what do you think of this idea? And I'll say, let's talk about it mm-hmm. and say, that's great. Go for it. Give it your best shot. And it's again, it's that mistake making thing. Right. Give it, give it a go. Mm-hmm. Try, try and see what happens. I'm, I've made a shitload of mistakes in my life as far as you know, trying things out that, uh-huh. that end up disaster. And, you know, that's all good. So yeah. I guess it's that as well, Jethro. Good. Good. Thank you. The last question is, what is something that you have in your office or um, close to you that reminds you of why you're doing this important work? Okay. I'll just get a photo. All right. One of my granddaughters. That's why. Because mm-hmm. the next generation are more important than this generation. I want them to be successful. So the best teaching I can give the kids, the better it is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, people are only going to be able to hear this. They're not going to be able to see the way your face changed oh, okay. and your the seriousness <laughs> that you took on when you said that. And uh and that was pretty powerful. I could feel your emotion for sure. And that you really, really believe that. And that it's not just something you say because it's cliche. It's that you really do believe that. And that's apparent. So thank you yeah. for that. And thank you so much for your time. Um, is, is there a way that people can connect with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing and possibly be part of your school? Um they can email me. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy for people to email me and talk, chat about what they're doing. Okay. Is that all right if I share that email that you sent to me? Yeah. All right. I will. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. And please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. 
When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.